Hang on. Hang on. Halt. today first our old friend spencer parks he loves backwards music so and he uploads a bunch of it to his youtube channel they might be giant stuff backwards so of course he loved the thunderbird nina episode and uh when i jokingly asked for people to send me voicemails and i would reverse them he did me one better he did some backwards talking so let's hear that and then we're going to reverse it to decode what uh he said here's spencer Majam Zifat's Drukab, Dwoz Epe Aninyam Therna, Shald de Burdenuf of Deval Wozlaya, Ij Ip Me Eat Valyadna, Ersneps Zizif, Now Ive Wole. Hello, everyone. This is Spencer and I love CMPG. I also love the Thunderbird Slash, Hundredth Magnina Episode. Backwards stuff is my job. Oh, Spencer. Oh, you. You lovable scamp. <laughs> Thanks for that, man. I'm sure it took you a while just to figure out that little thing. And I must say that Google Voice, uh, trying to translate it was pretty hilarious. Uh, the beginning it translated to uh, Mahjong, that uh, Chinese board game. I don't really know how to play it, but yeah. <laughs> All right, our next voicemail is from... Avrin Keating, good friend, Purple Pansies member. You heard them on the Kremlin episode. Avrin is a poet, as you know, does the Waves Breaking Poetry Podcast with a focus on gender variants and trans poets. Avrin has offered to be our poet in residence, so uh, here's some thoughts on rhyme schemes. Hi, Greg. It's Avrin. Um, I was just listening to the really monster-long thunderbird episode that you just did um and i heard you and steve talking about the rhyming of quit and desist um so i figured i'd just chime in um the song itself the the rhyme structure is made up of couplets so the the couplets are rhyming and kind of slight rhyming um i would say that quit and desist could almost be an enveloping rhyme where the first uh end word and the last n word uh rhyme with each other but desist isn't in the last line of the song uh nor does it rhyme with the last line of the song so it's just a plain old uh slant rhyme the sneakier rhyme that turns up over and over again is the i standing end rhymes and internal rhymes so tried like dry sky line fly bind the song together um, and when you're thinking about different interpretations of the song, it definitely helps to have um, 
a, a kind of clue into why those words are all rhyming together and what kind of emphasis they bring. I'm, I'm in agreement with you guys that it's kind of bringing in a, you know, a narrative of this, like, alcoholic dad. Anyway, uh, thanks for listening, uh, and thanks for putting out the podcast. I'm looking forward to this one. Thanks for schooling me, Averin. Love it. I will be hitting you up about uh, rhyme stuff, poetic stuff that John's do in the future. Now let's hear from uh, Big Damn Laura is her name on Twitter. Here's Laura. Hi, Greg. It's Laura. I just listened to the Thunderbird episode, which was excellent. I wanted to say I was always bothered by the changing of fall and crawl because, like, speaking as someone who kind of drinks too much, before you crawl, you have to learn to fall makes a lot more sense. (laughs) And I have had Thunderbird, and I really enjoyed it be honest it wasn't very common in my area so when i found it i was like really excited and like amused <laughs> it's it's i mean it's a white wine with like lemon lime it's like seven up <laughs> it was really good i thought it was good but i mean i don't have the most sophisticated palate i am a poor i don't buy expensive wine anyway apparently not long after that it got rebranded and is now just like regular wine? I don't know. I was looking for it. I can't really find. It's not available in my area, and to order it would be like three or four times as much as the bottle costs, which is ridiculous. Anyway, I just wanted to share. Bye. And we have a voicemail from our German friend Noah uh, with some thoughts on the art episode part three, uh, the most recent Patreon episode. Hi, Greg. It's Noah from Germany. Yeah, uh, I now heard the uh, Patreon episode part uh, of the Team BG Art uh, special Patreon episode, uh, which was both partly uploaded to uh, Spotify, and then I commented um, on Miscellaneous Tea, the Facebook group, and you asked me to uh, read this <laughs> this view of mine and leave them a voicemail, yeah. So that's what I'm doing now in my best British accent. I listened to your discussion though, but I think it is necessary to understand why this cover art was selected by the band even when you don't like it initially. To me it looks very dystopic and has a vibe of loneliness which fits the time in which it was recorded and maybe the vibe of the songs. The broken vinyl stands for the new digital age of music and therefore in a funny contrast to the album getting released not only on vinyl but on tape and 8-track as well. Unintentional? I don't think so. Last, I'd like to point out that it will be part of the book, uh, the book which contains photography, photography, which also seems to use rather dark imagery like uh, the snake and the statue without a hat. Uh, therefore, I think it is fitting the whole project, and that's what it's supposed to do. I don't think it's totally brilliant, but if the album is good and fits or acts complementary to this vibe, that's fine. And uh, the name is a good one, in my opinion. Uh, good one anyways. A book can contain so much unexpected turns we'll enjoy, um, and that's what a Team BG album should contain as well. Uh, yeah. And the latter part is just about me 
not liking the spine cover and the phone cover, uh, phone power cover, but uh, I don't think that's too important uh, on this topic. So yeah, that's that's my view. Um, but I get the reasons why you don't like the title and why most of you didn't like the cover art. I mean, it's not very colorful and there's not, not even the name of the album on it, but uh, yeah, I think it, it might fit the project very well. And I think that's the least we should try to understand since the band, well, they didn't design it, but they uh, had their reasons to approve and then we've got a message from new patron, fairly new patron, Stanley Allen uh, from Texas. Greg, it was an amazing show. I just listened to Thunderbird. I loved every bit of it. I, I loved uh, Steve Pence's singing. I loved the uh, the covers. I just, just thought everything about it was great. I loved the song. Uh, just a wonderful thing. And I, I just a uh, couple of things I wanted to mention specifically was uh, uh, the... Uh, the Farfisa organ that you brought out there, and of course uh, uh, Elvis Costello on that song. I mean, just just a perfect example of that. Uh, I know that uh, both of the Johns are great Elvis Costello fans, and I I, I just gotta believe that that kind of song is maybe even that specific song, you know, led them to to want to be uh, including that that sound. That's just a beautiful sound to include in that song. And uh, and the other thing that uh, that I thought of when you were talking there uh, with Steve about the uh, about the song was uh, this issue of uh, appealing to the uh, urban crowd and the and the black crowd with uh, with uh, the Thunderbird advertisements. Uh, that reminded me of the really great uh, song by Public Enemy called One Million Bottle Bags." Talks about the same topic. It's a really great tune. And Chuck D really brings it home. He just says, man, these these companies are just pushing this stuff down our throats, and it's poison. Of course, they were talking about the Colt 45 and the 40-ounce 40, uh, 40 cans, but it's the same kind of thing. It's just hard, hard liquor as disguised as, uh, you know, something cheap and simple to swallow. But, uh, yeah, that's right. That's exactly right. That's the addiction thing. So give that song a listen if you haven't heard it. It's really great. Looking forward to the next thing. Take care. You're actually going to hear me mention Elvis Costello with the organ and Twistin'. Twistin' was actually recorded before this one, but I wanted to separate the two flood songs, Sapphire Bullets and Twistin'. Uh, that was recorded before this. But yeah, more Elvis Costello talking here. Let's uh, sample some Public Enemy. Not sure how much overlap there is uh, with They Might Be Giants fans and Public Enemy fans. Uh I know we like some hip-hop, tends to be like Open Mike Eagle and cerebral stuff like that, which is awesome too, but hey, Public Enemy, very important rap group. Yeah, gangsta rap, which honestly is a fairly racist term as it is, but uh, just good uh, late 80s, early 90s, uh, hard political rap. Let's check it. Alcohol beverage companies have aimed an inordinate amount of advertising at black, billboards at inner cities, ads in black magazines, One million bottle bags count them. They think a bounce the ounce and they get them. Black spent 288 million sitting there waiting for the fizz. They don't know what the hell it is. Oh, let me tell you about shorty. Be about 17 looking like 40. This is 40 dogs better in the sea. When it gets a big B.O.B. to get Ellie. Oh, he loves a liquor. But look, watch shorty. Get sick of year after year. While he's thinking this. 
Welcome to This Might Be A Podcast, the song-by-song podcast about the greatest band of all time. They might be giants. I am your host, Greg Simpson, and I'm here with Jeff Takis to talk about the song Twisting off of, of course, Flood. She doesn't have to have her young fresh fellas take back now, but there's not a lot of things that she'll take back. Hey, Jeff. How's it going? Hey, good. <clears throat> a little frog in my throat, but other than that, pretty good. How's uh, How are things in uh, Florida? Things are pretty good. The sun came out uh, a little bit ago after a pretty cold and rainy morning, so uh, things are looking up. You are a punk rock dude who is now um, in the government, so to speak, right? Yeah. What do you What do you do exactly? So uh, I'm the clerk of the Florida House of Representatives, and um, uh-huh. it's a kind of a big job, but it's a really cool one, and I love it. And um, yeah, it's uh, definitely uh, there aren't too many punk rock guys uh, in the Capitol, as you might <laughs> imagine. But uh, there's like a little <laughs> secret society of us who kind of find out about each other, and so um, in my office, in fact, I have. Um, they might be giants poster uh, framed on the wall, and I have some other like punk rock posters hanging up. And uh, I love the, the. I either get one of two reactions. I get um, just a lot of confusion and people looking around, like what is this? And then I get the people who recognize <laughs> one of the bands or more on the walls and get like a surprise excitement. Uh, you know, so it's it's. Uh, what yeah. are what are some of the uh, ones you have up there? Uh, so yeah, yeah, I mentioned of course I have a they might be giants poster. I have a Descendants poster. Um, a couple of Less Than Jake posters, uh, Hum, Bob Mould, Same I Am. Those are the ones I can think of. Excellent selection. So that's not frowned upon from your uh, superiors to have your office decorated as such? No, no. Uh, they're pretty cool about it. Um, I, awesome. I used to do a punk rock podcast uh, a few years back, and um, they all knew that I was doing that. And um, they would also be surprised, like had no idea that like I was into that and uh, yeah, no, uh, very supportive of that. And that was Rocket Fuel? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's not going anymore? No. Um, when I got this uh, promotion um, a couple of years back as the clerk of the house, it kind of took up any of my available spare time and, and creative juice, if you will. So I've been able to kind of focus on that. Um, but I hope to um, either return to the podcast or do something else creatively um, to celebrate music in one way or another at some point, hopefully. 
Yeah, yeah. What does a what what exactly does a clerk do in the House of Representatives? I don't even know exactly what that title would would entail. Right. So, um, the clerk of the House is a position that's created in Florida's Constitution, um, as many state legislatures um, do the same. Uh, and essentially, my job, to put it in simple terms, is um, I'm kind of like the referee. Uh, so when the House is in session and the members are, um, you know, if they're arguing about policy or or whatnot, I'm I'm one that helps uh, keep that train moving on the right track and making sure everyone's playing by the rules and following the Constitution um, and also just keeping a record of the business of the House. Um, so that's kind of a Cliff Notes version, but it's uh, there's a lot more to it than that. But uh, sure. uh, yeah, again, it's a really fun job. I love it. Oh, cool. Yeah, and and I I assume you're planning to take it down from the inside. <laughs> <laughs> well, as lo- you know, as long as everyone's uh, following the law, following the rules, you know. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I always I have to chuckle sometimes when I think about the duality of myself and in my work life and my you know just music fandom. So it's it's pretty funny. Florida is very conservative. It is. Um, yeah, it is a pretty conservative state, um, but. Um, you know, again, I, what, one of the things I love about my job is that it is a nonpartisan role. So I get to help all members yeah. um, and, you know, give, uh, you know, I, uh, you know, I, I tell everyone what what the rules are and how to follow them and keep everybody on track when we're in the chamber together. So uh, it's nice to be a nonpartisan role and, and treat all of the members equally uh, in the process. Yeah. Mm hmm. Interesting, man. That's a job I cannot do. I could, <laughs> I mean, I just, I mean, getting to work with, with, uh, kids all the time, it's like, I mean, obviously there are rules to follow. There are things you can do that are appropriate in front of children and things that would be wildly inappropriate in front of sure, children. Right. And, and, you know, lang- you know, watching your language and such like stuff like that. But basically I get to be pretty silly all day right well one of <laughs> I could not have such a serious job right well one of the cool aspects about my job is um i'm in charge of the house page and messenger program so we do get to you know see kids every week during session and, and kind of teach them about legislative branch and you know we do so in a very um non-partisan way and, and it really is a cool opportunity to teach kids about the positive aspects of government and how getting involved in government um, can be very beneficial. And that's really cool to have the opportunity to help inspire uh, kids in that way. And it's a program that um, I'm really proud of. We do some really cool things. And um, that's kind of like when I mentioned getting this job and kind of not having uh, putting my kind of creative outlet into my work. That was one of the places where I was able to do that quite a bit was to add some some elements to that program um, that are really cool and trying to meet the kids where they are and really engage with them to show them the, po- the positive aspects of, of government and the legislative process. Um, we even created a board game uh, based off of the legislative huh. process, which was a which was a lot of fun. It was really cool. So huh. I'm super proud yeah, of it. Yeah, that's fun. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, it, you know, most things I know about the government I learned from uh, either the West Wing or Veep. I want to know if right. people are as foul-mouthed as they are in Veep. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I think that would depend on the person. Um, yeah. but not, as, not as bad as Veep. But, uh, <laughs> you know, um, everyone, you know, yeah, everyone has their moments when they might swear a little bit more than they want to. And um, <laughs> our legislative session is 60 days long. Um, in fact, we just started it this Tuesday. And... Um, 
you know, it's it, that, it's a lot. It's a, it's a lot of work to do in a very short period of time. And so towards the end, um, you know, that pressure cooker is even more intense. And so, you, you, you know, mm-hmm. you know, not in public, but in private, you hear folks getting a little more frustrated and feeling that pressure, but uh, <laughs> not quite at the Veep level, I would say. <laughs> such a that was such a great show but the yeah the language just like new levels of just filthy filthy language so so good yeah (laughs) so good yeah (laughs) um all right so let's get into uh team bg talk this is your first time appearing on the show the people need to know how did you get into they might be giants. And for reference, you're, I think, just a couple years older than me. Is that right? How old I'm are you? I'm 42. Okay, yeah. Because that can play, uh, usually plays a big part into how you got into them. So oh, tell yeah. us tell us the tale. So um, some friends of mine in high school um, were just talking a lot about They Might Be Giants. And so this would have been around probably 1994. Um, it was definitely pre-John Henry. Um, and... Mm-hmm. Um, I know that because John Henry was the first new record, like release day record I bought of the Empty Giants. And um, so the first record I bought um, of the band was Flood. And um, that was the one that my friends were talking about at the time. And um, I did, I hadn't really listened to them uh, at all. And so I just kind of bought Flood. Um, and after the first listen of that record, it was just like... Um, it was like kind of like a parting of the clouds or the seas almost like it was just um, I had, I had always been a music fan, um, you know, middle school, high school, but this was the first time where I really um, connected with um, an album and, and a band um, in that way. Um, and that was it from then. It was just like, you know, obviously I went back and got the other records that I hadn't had and um, have been getting every record since, um, so what else were you listening to at the time? Were you into punk yet or what were you listening um, to? No, this would have been, you know, I got into punk shortly after they might be giants, but, um, you know, just kind of bouncing around and like, you know, pop and, you know, other rock, you know, that kind of stuff, nothing, but nothing that like ever really resonated like they might be giants did. Um, yeah. The song, and I know you already covered this on the podcast, but the song Whistling in the Dark is a huge song for me. Um, and it really kind of encapsulates what They Might Be Giants are to me, is that they were the first um, band to just say it's okay to be who you are. And just, you know, um, and that was the first time, like, you know, I was always kind of a nerdy guy and still am. Uh, just now I'm more proud of it than I was when I was like 14, right? And um, uh, they were the first ones to just kind of like open my eyes to that, that you can be you can be quirky and funny and smart and dark and all of those things. Um, and, uh, again, after basically the first listen of flood, that was, that was the beginning of it for me. Yeah. Yeah. And you've been keeping up, you said ever since, so you're buying all their new records and everything too. Oh yeah. Yeah. Nice. Um, are you an IFC member? You know, I'm not. And I, um, I regret it. Um, I was kind of like going back and forth this year and um, I was finally decided, okay, I'm going to do it. And it was like, I, I think um, they had sent out an email, like whenever they ended it, it was like in the middle of the day. And so it was like late that morning. I was like, okay, I just, I got to do it. And I missed, I missed the deadline. I was like, oh man, I wasted that. So. Yeah. 
Yeah, I know. It's it's kind of surprising to me how short of a window they keep open for that kind of stuff. Um, yeah. I mean, you'd think they'd want to get as many people in it as possible, and I'm not sure why they... I mean, you got to set some sort of... I guess you couldn't just always have open enrollment because right. they have to make so much merch involved with that. Right. Um, you know, something like sending people downloads and stuff like that, that's a little different. But, like, you know, like a coffee mug was one of the the rewards for this time around and they need to know how many to exactly order. Exactly. But yeah. yeah. I mean, I kind of know how that goes on a much, much, much smaller scale with the, with the Patreon I do for this. Right. Cause then like I'll get new people signed on and they'll be like, Oh yeah. The, um, you know, they get up to a certain level of pledges and they get a t-shirt. I'll be like, Oh yeah. Could I get a, uh, women's, uh, large. And I'll go and look through my inventory. I'm like, shit. Right. <laughs> like, right. <laughs> God damn it, I don't have any larges left. And then I have to like <laughs> order a couple more shirts. Right. Just for that. Yeah. So I can be tough. But do you consider yourself a Flans guy or a Linnell guy? Oh. Or you just, uh, you, I mean, obviously we both love them both. Right. Some people lean heavier one way or the other. Uh, you know, that that's a really hard question. I think I've always, I, I've always loved the thought of the, what the two Johns bring to the group and somehow like have that you know, melding just works so magically like it does. Um, I'm probably, you know, if I had to pick, I'm probably like 51% a Flans guy and 49% Linnell. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, the, uh, the whistling in the dark episode actually has not come out yet. Cause I haven't had a, the scheduling hasn't worked out for that yet, but, but yeah. Um, yeah, I've bumped you around quite a bit. Unfortunately, just the way things have worked out, like, oh, yeah. and then you wanted to do snail shell. And then I managed to get hooked up with, uh, Tony Mamone who played bass on it. Right. I'm like, dude, I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah. But yeah. so, so twisting, I mean, your choices were kind of limited, but I mean, you're down with twisting, right? Uh, yeah, no, it was one of those where, um, you know, it was funny, like after we had made that connection to to do this episode and do this song, um, you know, I listened to the song a ton, listened to a bunch of covers and, you know, read up on it and, you know, all those kinds of things. And um, the more I did that, the more I was happy with that choice. Um, it is such a uh, complex song for being, you know, under two minutes. Um, it's so it's, um, you know, I'm super happy with it. It's a great song. Um, and I know we have a lot to talk about with it and, um, no, I, I love it. It's, um, obviously not the first song I think about when I think about flood. Um, but it probably is one of the more underrated songs on that record mm -hmm. and, and probably underappreciated, although it's been a part of their live show for, years and years and years after flood came out. So there's something about that too. Yeah. I, I know until I started digging into it, I didn't realize just how important it was to their live sets, especially um, in the nineties. Right. And we'll hear a lot of uh, when we're listening to those, a lot of um, the endings of the songs, because it was typically seen to be a closer of their sets and so they were doing some pretty wild stuff at the ends of the different live versions of Twisting. But we're getting ahead of ourselves. We are, we are. So right. how, about, how about we listen to the demo, which appeared on this uh, you know, fan compilation, uh, The Power of Dial-A-Song right. 1. And uh, so let me drop that in right here. She said that the place is broken. 
for bitching and promoting. And when they feel that place, she said they saw you coming. She doesn't have to have her young fresh fellows take back, but there's not a lot of things that she'll take back. She wants to see you again. She wants to see you again. See you twisting in the wind Twisting, twisting in the wind She says there's a place in heaven for bitching and promoning And when they feel that place, she said they saw you coming She doesn't have to have her DP's records back But there's not a lot of things that She'll take back. She wants to see you again. She wants to see you again. Twisting, twisting in the wind. Twisting, twisting in the wind. She wants to see you again. She wants to see you again. So how'd you like that? Yeah, that's cool. It's different. Yeah. Actually, maybe this wasn't on that big compilation. This video I found was just twisting. Right, just But right. yeah, the the musical elements seem to be really getting to their final form. Right. But the lyrics. Right. The 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 first half of each verse are completely different. Right. I, it felt like it was so funny when I listened to it. I had to chuckle a little bit because, you know, they talk about like promotion and stuff like that. And so I almost got the feeling that they had the song lyrically half written and then, you know, wanted to put it out on dial a song. And so they kind of made fun of themselves doing you know, self-promotion through the dial of song, uh, but didn't have the song finished yet. That was kind of the vibe I got when I listened to it. <laughs> yeah, the, the the first half of the verses, like it still, it, it settles into the, she doesn't have to have her Young Fresh Fellows tape back. She doesn't have to have her DB's record back. Right. But <laughs> she says there's a place in Brooklyn for bitching and for moaning. And when they built this place, she said they saw you coming. And that's the beginning of both right. verses. Right. <laughs> and then the rest of it's the same. But the melody is different. Like the, um, for the most part, the chorus melody uh, is lower. Right. Which, which makes it, it's a little less hooky. Yeah, I was going to say, I didn't like it, that part of it as much, um, obviously, compared to the final version. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, it's really cool to hear. And I miss these, these dial-a-song versions i mean they call their you know when they'll put stuff out on youtube they'll call it dial a song but it's not the same no, you know it's not but yeah because yeah. they're, they're just putting out the final versions i mean we don't hear demos at all anymore and i think a lot of that just has to do with how much easier it is to record in the digital age agreed where you just pretty much from the get-go are recording the final version right like i don't know if they're ever recording rough versions um, or they just bring it to the band. They're like, all right, let's lay down the real drums. There's never like a, uh, you know, drum machine version. Right. I mean, I guess that's, I shouldn't say there's never a drum machine version. Because um, some of the new songs, they still do drum machine. But we don't usually hear like a drum machine version and then a version with Marty or whatever. Right. 
Um, it's pretty much just like, okay, this is the song, you know, cause I love hearing that progress. Like yet yeah, lyrical changes, melodic changes, musical changes, uh, that we don't really get to hear that process anymore. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it's, it's definitely, um, not too far off from its final form. This no. is those slight changes. But then we got this this twisting remix, which is on the Dial a Song, the compilation Power of Dial a Song 2. And this one, you know, we don't have a year on this. Uh, it got played on their, when they were doing their podcast in the, uh, in the early aughts, it got played on um, podcast 34A in full. This this on this bootleg is just a shorter like two minute version, um, so it got played in two thousand eight. But we don't know when it originally was on Dial a Song. There's you know question mark you know on the year, but I think this I'm fairly certain that this remix came out before the proper flood version, hmm. uh, which is funny that they'd already be doing a remix right. of it, but they do all kinds of wacky stuff. Right. Uh, but yeah, a remix of your own song. Uh, what'd you think of that? Uh, you know, I always, I, you know, they've released remixes over the years. I think of like the back to skull EP and you know, the remixes on that. Yeah. I, I always just, I, I don't, I love their remixes. So like this one is, um, you know, like you would expect it to be to be different um, from them, but it's, it's fun. But, it's fun. but usually the remixes are done by other people. That's a good like point. The, the, the snail shell or snail dust right. uh, was the dust brothers. Right. And like the world's address, that was Joshua fried. Um, but this one, I mean, as far as we know, is done by them and it takes like almost a minute for it to really sound anything like, like twisting. Right. You know, I mean, you got a voice saying twisting, but it doesn't really sound like it at all until eventually you get to that little organ part and the chords start sounding like the actual chord progression of the song. Right. So it's pretty, it's pretty wacky. You hear that? Oh, does it sound familiar? Yep, showed up in the guitar a few years later uh, with the auctioneer guy. Oh, <laughs> I'd love to know where that sample came from. Does anyone know? Email me. Thank <laughs> you. 
mean, that's, <laughs> yeah. Um, and I know we're going to transition into the actual track here, but you mentioned the organ sound. And of course, like, that is like, I mean, you can hear some of the live recordings and they can play, you know, three or four notes of that organ part and the entire crowd knows what it is. Like, it's so um, recognizable and it's just such a, in, you know, it's just such an important element to that song. It's it's uh, it's kind of funny that it takes them about that minute to get to the organ part on the remix. It's almost like they're messing with us. Yeah. You know? I, I don't know. I kind of like that stuff. Though. Oh, totally. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, let's get right. Yeah, let's go ahead and get into the the version proper. Um, the well, the song's called "Twisting," and I love the the synchronicity of the song being called "Twisting" and having the "Twisting in the Wind" line. Um, and it's in the style of the twist. Right. So let's talk about the dude who made the twist, the dance craze popular. I'm gonna play Chubby Checker. Uh, doing the twist, which um, oh, let me find out what year this came out exactly. 1960. 60. 1960. Chubby Checker, the twist. I think I could assume that everyone knows what the twist is as far as the dance steps. I mean, you're pretty much twisting on the balls of your feet mm-hmm. and just wrenching your torso back and forth, right. elbows out to get your body twisting, kind of almost reverse top half and bottom half of your body. You're kind of going opposite directions as you right. wrench yourself around. Um, but yeah, the t- <laughs> the twist as a like dance craze or whatever i'm trying to uh let me see do we have a good uh yeah twist parentheses dance on wikipedia yeah from 1959 to the early 60s it became a worldwide dance craze enjoying immense popularity while drawing controversies from critics who felt it was too provocative (laughs) and yeah i guess it was one of those early one of the earliest uh, songs to be like, here's a dance, do this dance, right. which then became a very popular thing. Uh, I mean, at least according to uh, this Wikipedia article, is that it inspired like this craze of dances, the jerk, the pony, the Watusi, the mashed potato, the monkey, the funky chicken. Um, but they claim that the twist was the most popular. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, cool little yeah. cool little fact about that song, too. Um Chubby Checker wasn't actually the first person to perform that. It was a he he was covering another group, um, actually out of Florida. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hank Ballard and the Midnighters were the ones who first came out with that song. Um, yeah, they actually charted with that song. Like it was their version was um, you know a decent hit um, back then. But when Chubby Checker released his in '60, it blew up. And like he's, I mean, Chubby Checker is a pretty famous name um, solely based off of one song. And then his only other hit uh, was also about the twist. Um, and so, yeah. <laughs> what was it called? Let twist. Let's twist let's again. Twist again. Like we did last summer. Yeah. I mean, that's like <laughs> classic, man. But like, that's the, like, if you had to, 
you know, go and ask somebody off the street, hey, name three Chubby Checker songs, uh, they wouldn't be able to get to that third one, pretty sure. <laughs> yeah, they'd all have twists in the title. <laughs> right. I'm pretty sure there were more. Right. Probably. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Pretty awesome. I mean, I, I, I can say that uh, the twist has most definitely been worked into some quote-unquote choreography done with my elementary kids. Awesome. <laughs> Love it. It's, it's fun. Yeah. It's fun to do. Yeah, I mean... It's cool. Totally fun. Totally fun. Stylistically, musically, let's talk about the music before we talk about the lyrics. Sure. So, yeah, inspired by that 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 60s beat, you find in all kinds of songs, not just twist-related songs. Right. But it's very 60s-sounding. But you mentioned that uh, the organ yeah. tone. What, is, what does that bring to mind for you? I mean, I... I when I think about that organ tone, I immediately think, I know they didn't, they ever, they never did a video uh, for that song. But the first thing I think about is like, apparently they were going to, uh, yeah, I mean, that, yeah, that, I would right? love yeah. to imagine what that visual would have looked like to them. But when I hear that organ, I think of, you know, that era, 1960s, like people twisting on a beach and, you know, like a net food, cello and like those types, you know, like that's the first thing I think about is that organ, like it's not even the beat, you mentioned is very, you know, of that era, but even that organ sound to me is, um, uh, very much of that era. Um, but yet there's still a little bit of, um, the, the tone that comes out of that organ is it's, you know, it's a little off compared to that sixties sunny vibe. It's not quite as sunny, which is a super, mm-hmm. you know, thinking about what, you know, the actual lyrics in the songs we'll get to, I know, um, it's just a little dark and I kind of, I love that. I love that. That is yeah. very much of that era, but then just a little bit of darkness in there. Yeah. Yeah. The, in, in the sixties, especially when like the term garage rock, like garage rock bands started popping up, like it, it was very common for there to be an organ player in the band. And, but yeah, this, this tone, it's a little more, a uh, little sharp, a little more pointed, and a little more uh, vibrato. It's very wobbly right. tone. Who it reminds me of the early uh, stuff of the attractions, Elvis Costello's band. Sure, yeah. The attractions. It reminds me especially of the song uh, Radio Radio, which is a fantastic song. Yeah. Just that Farfisa organ. I'm not sure if Linnell here would have been using an actual Farfisa or uh, something else he had at the time, but it's definitely that uh, like signature tone of that uh brand of organ and it's sounds awesome yeah (laughs) yeah yeah that like you said instantly recognizable to the crowd oh yeah a signal to start going nuts right and to start (laughs) and to start twisting if they want to yeah (laughs) and this song has been performed or or uh, documented to have been performed 727 times that's amazing and with how many times they've done Flood in full, because it's not just on this previously half-canceled Flood tour or half-rescheduled Flood tour where they've played Flood in full. It's been something they've done a lot. It is one of those songs on Flood that I think has been played more than most. I mean, other than Birdhouse, which has over 1,200 performances right, live. Right, right. And definitely Particle Man. Uh, I'd, I'd say it's probably up there with songs off of Flood that have been played the most. I haven't gone through every single song to see. Um, Particle Man has just over a 1,000 performances. Yeah. What's another one you would guess that would have 
Istanbul. The most performances. Istanbul. Yeah. Of course. Let's see. What do we got here? Almost 1,300 performances. Yeah. So, wait, is that more than Birdhouse? Yeah. Exactly the same. No, it was Hold a little on. bit more, I think. 12, 1292. 1292 and Birdhouse is at 1283. They've performed Istanbul just a little bit more than they performed Birdhouse, and that is wild yeah, to me. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Birdhouse is so much better of a song, but with Istanbul, I think it's one of those things that I've just heard it too many times. Right. And uh, I'm, I'm like, I could honestly do without Istanbul in a set. Got it. Whereas if they didn't play Birdhouse, I'm like, how could you not play Birdhouse? Right. And so, yeah. And so I, without hearing the rest of the numbers or the rest of that record, it wouldn't surprise me if Twisting is the fourth most played from that record, which again kind of lends itself to that. Um, it's a bit underrated, I think, in on the on the record and also just in the, the canon of the band. Yeah. Yeah. And, and as far as the wiki goes in the ratings however much weight you want to give to that. It's 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 not in too bad of a place. It's at 207 out of 910. Mm. But I feel like it should be higher. Yeah, I would agree But the that. yeah, the average rating though is 8.8.68, which is still pretty high. People on the wiki, it's 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 funny. They you mash that 10, you know. Right. I think you either rank a song on there as a 10 or like if you hate it, you put it way low. Right, right, right. <laughs> uh do you ever uh, uh, score songs on the wiki? I haven't. No, I haven't. Um, yeah. I've spent a good amount of time on the wiki, but I haven't. I haven't uh, had that urge to hit the ten or the zero. I suppose. I'm driving so much traffic to the wiki. I mean, it's already very well, very well traveled. But I, I think I could probably safely say, since this podcast has started, that tmbw.net is my most visited website, other than like you know, my Gmail or right. something like right. that. It really is. Um, <laughs> it really is a cool site. And I, I, um, I go, I go through waves on it. It's one of those where it's like, I'll look at it like every day. It's like a rabbit hole place for me. You know, I go on it every day for like oh, three yeah. weeks and then I kind of leave it alone for a while. And then I'll listen to a record and have a question about a song. It's usually one of the newer ones, you know, and, and, uh, just look at the resources that are there. It's, uh, it's really cool and not surprising for a band like they might be giants to have something, that cool and that detailed and that fan oriented and uh, all of those kinds of things. So, yeah, I always say this, this is the kind of band that breeds obsessives like myself. Right. Uh, I was just clicking through a couple other flood songs to see the numbers, see if we were right about that. You might be right. Cause I was like, Oh, we want a rock might be higher. Oh, good point. But we yeah. Want, we want, but no, not even close. 88 known performances. <laughs> That's it. That's unfortunate. That's one of my handful of tens uh, on the episode. Give that yeah a ten. Um, de- Dead has fewer. We don't need to go through everyone. I'm right. just trying to guess a couple other ones. Dead has fewer. Eurasis friend, friend has fewer. So yeah, it's uh, it's been performed quite a bit, and like I said, it was a popular closer for a long time. Yeah. Uh, so other musical elements of twisting that stand out to you. What 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 do you what do you like? Um. That's a good question. I mean, so again, obviously, I think the, the organ is what makes it most recognizable. But, um, you know, and I know this is they do this. They've done this differently live in the past, too, which is kind of fun. But I would say also just the kind of that after that organ intro, just kind of that explosion of the the song 
um, after they get through that that intro um, is, is 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 cool. It's just a cool like I understand why it would be a popular closer because it's just powerful and again and still fun. Um, so that would be the the second element. Just like when the drums and guitar come in uh, is is a is impactful. Yeah. Speaking of that guitar, I'm just, I, there were so many sound clips and covers to listen to that were taking up a lot of my research time. I'm just now really looking at the, uh, the guitar tab on the wiki and yeah, I've never attempted to play the song though. It definitely would be a fun one, uh, to do like, you know, as a live cover with a band, Right. but I'm trying to figure out what the key of this song is. Okay. So it's listed as G major, but it is most definitely not in G major, but I'm trying to figure out what it is because okay so always, in g yeah. i'm sorry go ahead no that, that's fine in uh in g it goes straight from g to f to c to d the key of g would not have an f chord in it it would have an f sharp minor chord in it right yeah okay so if your main verse riff goes immediately out of the key i don't think that would then be the key uh and then you've also got B flats in the. Um, she doesn't have to have her DB's records back. Uh, B flat also not in the key of G. So, oh shit! What would okay? So we got. Uh, so the D makes sense. So it has both an F and an F sharp within the D chord. So it's got both F and F sharp. It's another one of these complicated. I mean, it's a Flan song, right. which sometimes are not as chordally complicated as Linnell songs. But this one, yeah, where, and where does that B-flat come from? Because it goes to almost a minor feel. Well, it is a B-flat major. Because then I was thinking, I'm like, is it? does it go to G minor in the... But it's C and B-flat. What the hell key is this song in? I mean, because it doesn't sound weird. No. Quarterly, right? I've always um, wondered if that, like, and I know, like, it's hard to explain, but like, even like what you just explained, when I listen to that organ intro, it doesn't sound like I can't say it's like, oh, it sounds like it's in a minor chord, but it doesn't sound like it's in a major chord either. Like, it, it, you know what I mean? And that, that could be just the tone of the organ, but I've always felt like, gosh, like that same kind of, you know, confusion you were just talking about on the guitar part. Yeah, I think maybe one thing that makes the key rather ambiguous is that is that I think Linnell is mostly playing fifths instead of the full chord, which makes it ambiguous whether it's a major or a minor chord. Right. Because you're leaving out the third. So does it have that major third or that minor third? But he's pretty much playing fifths, I think. So it's not really telling you if it's major or minor. And then whether Flans would be playing power chords or bar chords or open chords, I'd have to really listen more carefully on that end. But if he was playing power chords, a punk rock staple for being easy to ignore the key of the song by just (laughs) saying, you know, root fifth octave and not even worry about the third. You don't need to know if that key should go to major or minor. It just can dance around it. Uh, so the key of the song, I don't know. I mean, it might be safer to say that it's in C and then it has an accidentals, accidentals when it goes to that B flat, but 
I mean, it definitely revolves around the G chord, but it is not in the key of G. It might be in one of the modes that, uh, one of the old school modes, but I'd have to figure that out. But Right. And it's so, um, again, like the beat and the rhythm sounds very much of the 60s, but golly, like the key of that song does not. And that's, again, it's kind of like that. Again, it's like, it's something's a little dark, something's a little off. I just, I, I think that's just awesome. I love, I love that their version of this very classic sound, um, is, is done. So where you recognize the beat and could dance to that beat, but yet musically it's again, a little dark, a little mysterious, um, you know, ambiguous. I think that's just really cool. Now, did you know that the song has a human drummer on it? I did not know that. Yeah, I okay. So this one I think is is up for discussion and or debate. So I mean, if you know, I would trust the wiki that uh, Alan Bazazi played on this song as well as a few others. I, I mean, he just plays very mechanically. It must be that you wouldn't most of the time realize it's a human drummer. You know, I've talked to J.D. Feinberg, Jonathan Feinberg, who was the first human drummer to go out on tour with them. Um, but according to the wiki, this Alan Bazazi has played on, he played on Lucky Ball and Chain, Particle Man, Twisting, Hearing Aid, Letterbox, Hot Cha, They Might Be Giants, and Road Movie Tur- to Berlin. So like a good third of the album yeah. has a human drummer on it. But like what he plays so mechanically, I didn't until pretty recently realize that there was a human on the track. Right, yeah, it's, um... Uh, yeah, the drum part of this song is, um, how do I say this? I don't, and not, not to sound offensive, it's not memorable. It's not like a, you know, there are other songs in their canon that are like the drums are more of a lead, but this is, it's much more of a, of a, you know, like you said, mechanical, um, just to support the other instruments in the, in the track. I mean, to be fair, it is crucial to the, given it that twist and, 60s feel for sure for sure da, 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 da. yeah uh so you know yeah yeah if you didn't have a percussion track on this you wouldn't relate it to the twisting style at all but right. there has got to be more to it than just this guy because there are some things in the drum track that are inhuman to play so either either it's got this uh alan guy playing a drum track and then overdubbing on it or it's what I think is more likely it's got the human element and then some drum machine elements along with it. Because yeah. if you hear during, during most of the song, there is both quarter notes on a hi-hat and eighth notes on a ride cymbal going at the same time. Okay. Right. So like um, within the beats and where the snare is placed, this is impossible for a human drummer to play. Right. right. And also just the sound of it. Like I said, he's playing very mechanically. I couldn't tell if, if it would have been him playing the hi-hat or him playing the ride, which one of it, it would actually be the human part of it. Because the hi-hat is very evenly played. Right. And the ride, ting, 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 ting. I think the ride is the mechanical element because it sounds, to me, fake. And I was just listening to it on headphones, walking the dog, and like the hi-hat is fully panned to the right channel and the ride fully planned panned to the left channel 
and it just it doesn't sound human right you know um i mean it really helps drive it that you have both the subdivision on the quarter and on the eighth um but yeah it's not human and then the real the real thing that gives it away is the god maybe it isn't the hi-hat that he plays there is hi-hat that continues through snare fills so like the hi-hat i think the hi-hat goes to an eighth uh while you hear some of the drum fills going into the chorus while the hi-hat is still going stuff that you would need both hands on the snare and even during the big buzz roll that goes into the last chorus the goes into that last chorus there's hi-hat going during that that is not humanly possible So something's going on there. There is human and drum machine elements in there or overdubs. And even that buzz roll does not sound human. I don't know. Have you played around with, um, do you, do you make your own music? No, I don't No. Okay. There are drum machines that to play a buzz roll like that, you would just hold it down and it would just continue that, uh, as long as you hold it down. And lots of times it would have that little crescendo in it. I've heard this on drum machines before. I had it. Uh, it sounds mechanical to me. So I am really confused about, I, I think I need to try to find this Alan Pizzazzi guy right. and see if I could get him on the podcast to talk about this kind of stuff. Cause it, the, the whole drum part really does not sound human to me. Right. Right. No, I, yeah. <laughs> and I think your, your theory, I would, I would say the same as far as probably him, I, I, like probably not being overdubs, probably more being him playing certain pieces and then the drum machine playing the others. I think that's a much more uh, likely theory. Mm-hmm. Thinking about where that and was. Then I'm even tr- right. And then I'm even tricked by the, uh, I was tricked by the, the hand claps apparently are done by humans as well. Uh, it's credited as, as the Skyline staff and uh, the Skyline was the, Skyline Studios is where they recorded Flood. Um, oh, and the spine uh, later yeah. on. So they are humans doing the hand claps, but it sounds like sampled hand claps. I mean, it sounds like real claps. Right. But the fact that each one sounds so, they all sound exactly the same. And a group of humans clapping, there will be. Right. It sh- there should be differences between them. So I was just totally fooled that there are humans in the percussion elements of this song. I almost wonder if they recorded each of those hand claps separately. Like instead of having them like, you know, like just thinking about what you just said, like anytime you hear a song that has like a, like a gang hand clap, if you will, it, it's like you said, mm-hmm. it's, it's, they're slightly off and that's like what makes it more human, but for it to be so mechanical sounding, but yet being done by humans, that just, that's the first thing I think of. I wonder if they were just recorded individually and then laid on top of each other perfectly. Yeah. Right. Or they recorded the group clapping it, found their favorite individual clap group clap that could be it too. and then just copied and pasted it through that could be it too <laughs> or, or or programmed it into their sampler and then just put it in there that could be it yeah <laughs> now here's a funny connection alan bazazi this drummer has played with chris stanley and peter halsapple who are from the dbs oh cool that's awesome <laughs> so let's use that to transition into the lyrics then here unless you got any other things to talk about with the music no that, that's perfect 
Okay, well, what are let me, let me just pitch it to you as what are your overall thoughts on the meaning of the lyrics or maybe some of your favorite parts of the lyrics? Um, that's a great question. Um, so it's funny, when I have listened to this song prior to, um, you know, this researching it for this episode and kind of reading more about the, the meanings out there on the wiki and other things, I never took parts of these lyrics as literal as um, others have. So like as an example, just the phrase twisting in the wind, I never uh-huh. felt that was a literal someone, you know, hanging from a tree from a noose. I always just kind of <laughs> felt, I always made equivalent to like, just like, you know, you're being hung out to dry, so to speak, like being like, just right. like kind of, you know, literally like, you know, not taking the twisting in the wind literal to the human experience, but more of just leaving you high and dry kind of a thing. So I was, yeah, yeah. typically that's what the phrase would be used for these days. You, yeah. you left twisting in the wind. You're not, someone isn't literally killing you right. though in a bad breakup. Maybe she does want him dead. Right. right. I mean, and, <laughs> I wish you were dead. Right. And I, I kind of love that about like, there's so many, at least so a couple of things that stand out to me. I, I have always loved that. Um, the, the, the the protagonist of the song um so to speak is the female and the the enemy of the song the antagonist if you will is me is you is the listener and i've like i just like <laughs> i kind of think that's you know like really cool like to like think about obviously you know in 1990 thinking about a song coming out of you know with the female being the protagonist or or you know maybe she's the the one who's jilted or but there's elements of the lyrics too that leads you to think that me or you, the, the, the person that they broke up with, um, is secretly wanting her back, um, too. Uh Um, and so Uh I, I, I've always been a fan of that aspect of, of the song, um, yeah, because it's basically Flans is the narrator of this tale. He's not involved in the breakup. Mm -hmm. Right. She and you. Right. He never says I. So he's he's the narrator of this. And yeah, it does kind of feel like um, Flans may be telling his friend like, dude, you're the one that fucked up. She's fine without you. You know, let it go. Right. I've always loved <laughs> right? the separate um, the, the distance between the lines. She wants to see you again. Twisting in the wind like that. The, the thought of like, you know, the 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 guy or the gal who was on the other side of the breakup who caused the breakup saying like she wants to see you again and thinking about oh like she wants to see me again yeah, tw- uh-huh. yeah twisting in the wind you jerk you know i just i <laughs> i have always just uh loved that um you know there are so many good lines in that song um i know we'll talk about the db's uh reference and the young fresh fellows reference um always a cool thing um uh you know obviously the the probably the standout line to me in that song is um she blew out your candlelight and made a wish like i just like um you know oh, yeah. it's so um it's 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 definitely right out of that emotion of fresh a fresh breakup and um the anger that occurs from it um oh actually it's a, a pilot light pilot light i'm wait, sorry yeah, i'm sorry thank you yeah pilot light yeah Right on the stove. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Sorry about that. Yeah. So I've always Which gives it another connotation because pilot light, I mean, that could be something you could kill someone with by leaving their gas on. Right. You know, she blew she blew out the, the light, the spark right. to light the gas on the stove right. and just left the gas on. 
right. <laughs> drawing that connection to blowing out a birthday candle um, and making a wish. Like that's the, like that's um, it's just a cool turn of a phrase. Um, yeah. It's a great, again, it's one of those where I think even I didn't appreciate it as much as a lover of flood until I spent more time with it recently for this episode. So I should thank you for that. You know, she's not your satellite. She doesn't miss you. Like she doesn't, she, I've always interpreted that to mean, I know someone, you know, in the wiki had talked about the XTC song. Um, but I've always interpreted that as like, she's not in your orbit anymore. Like she's, she's right. You know, um, and, and her life doesn't revolve around you. Right. Not anymore. Right. And, um, yeah, yeah. I, uh, which XTC I, I, I didn't even, like I said, I was so focused on all the audio examples that we have in here. Right. I did not. And and sometimes I avoid the interpretations intentionally, but I do not look at the interpretations tab. What XTC yeah, song? Yeah, uh, there's a song called Another Satellite, um, and I haven't had a chance to kind of listen to that through this lens to um, to be able to see how I feel about it. But yeah, I had I had read that in the in the wiki. So it's just interesting. I, I've, I've, um, some of the lyrics I do take literally, like thinking about the pilot light. Like again, obviously not. You know, we don't have pilot lights as humans, but the metaphor of that. But I never have felt like twisting in the wind. You know, was someone on a noose or something. Um, I mean, I think one thing that would be literal is that, you know, this guy did borrow records and tapes from her, right? And she just never wants to see him again is like, you know, who cares? You can keep him, man. Yeah. Uh, I, I think one of my favorite lines is the, the Marshall stack. Right. Uh, and, and for those people not in that don't care about gear or play guitar, Marshall is a brand of guitar amp and Marshall stack, a uh, half stack or full stack. This guy's got pretty big, uh, pretty big amplifier uh, with a, a head and a cabinet would be the, the two elements to make up a Marshall stack. But he's got a, a turn off your smoke machine and Marshall stack. Maybe if we're, uh, I mean, I'd take it pretty literally that maybe this guy, he's in the rock and roll scene and he thinks he's hot shit. Um, which, yeah, it's pretty. And it's, it's also kind of an interesting thought pattern too because like I think about like the the, again, me or you, you know, the person who was the person that, uh, you know, was the jerk in the relationship that caused it to end, presumably. Um, like, you're not, like, the man. Like, you're not the shit. Like, in that thing. So, like, so put away your mm-hmm. smoke machine and your Marshall stack. Like, you're not that cool guy. Um, you're a jerk. You know, that's like, you, you hear that over and over again. Um, one of the things, too, one, a lyric that I, um, uh, thinking about the one that kind of follows up uh both of the, men, the the references to the DB's records and the Young Fresh Fellows tapes, um, but there's not a lot of things that she'll take back. Um, is a cool lyric to me in that again, like she has no regrets. She has she's not taking back anything she said. She's not taking back anything that she gave into that relationship. It's a, just a clean break. I just kind of I love that. Um, I love that that lyric in that reference of the not having anything right. to want to take back. 
Um, yeah, she called you an asshole and that she wishes you were dead, and she's right? not going to apologize for it. Nope. <laughs> nope. Um, thinking about um, other another lyric, too, that I'd love to highlight is it's actually right out of the gate, right out of the shoot, the beginning of the song. Um, she set your goldfish free, and now she's sighing. I've always kind of wondered if that lyric has, you know, the cause of her sigh is that to get him back, she killed his goldfish. And I wondered if the sigh is a regret of the goldfish. Um, and also in that vein of, I wonder if that's something that she would take back was killing the guy's goldfish or my goldfish. <laughs> yeah. And, and, if, and if we take it literally, I don't mean, I don't know how else I would take that line other than literally. Right. But, yeah, she flushed it. Right. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, yeah, again, like for a song that's, you know, like under two minutes, it's actually, you know, not surprising because it's, you know, the Johns, but it's more complex than you would think. And so I just, uh, mm -hmm. I love that. So let's talk about these two bands. All right. So the DBs. And DBs would be decibels. That's the mm -hmm. abbreviation for decibels. Uh, pretty cool band name, but I think a lot of people probably wouldn't understand what DBs are. Agreed. But I believe I have found a song that maybe could have directly influenced the lyrics of this song. And it's the DB song called Amplifier. And did you get a chance to check this out? I did. Um, and I agree with you spot on. Um, I had actually listened to the repercussion record shortly after uh, you and I set this up. And so I had like the filter of twisting in my brain. And then I heard that song again and I was like, oh my gosh. Yeah. Like this, like even the reference to the Marshall stack to me is, is a nod to this song. And I was kind of wowed by the similarities of the lyrics of the songs. And um, yeah, so it's, it's a great tune. And uh, especially when you, you know, kind of juxtapose it with twisting. Yeah. Even outright more dark than twisting. Yep, agreed. And if so, it is a, it is a record from 1982. We should mention uh, the DBs were their initial run was from 78 to 88. And um, they were, based in uh, Salem, uh, Winston-Salem, North Carolina. And uh, one of the guys I previously played with, uh, Alex Chilton of Big Star. Right. But this song, Amplifier, off that 1982 record, whew, if Twistin' is, is a song that could be taken as literally, you know, this woman wants him dead, he's twisting in the wind. If you take it that way, check out these lyrics. Danny went home and killed himself last night. She'd taken everything. She'd taken everything. Danny went home and killed himself last night. She'd taken everything. She'd taken everything. She took his cash. So we got cash, checks, 
soda pop <laughs> and the love letters out of the desk. Uh, his car, his bike. She took everything he liked, but she left his amplifier. She doesn't need his amplifier. But in this case, the uh, the woman did take all that stuff. In Twistin', there's not a lot of things she'll take back. Right, right. <laughs> but Jesus, the song is dark. Yeah. And, and uh, Flans mentions there's um a uh, yeah we should read this quote from the um uh so april 1992 in reflex magazine flans uh said i still get a certain joy from observing things for modern life that aren't part of other generations lives twisting actually mentions a couple of fairly obscure rock bands like the young fresh fellows but to me that makes it a more authentic song it's about a very particular kind of relationship about breaking up the records it's not a divorce it's about people who live in apartments. It's not some grand projection of a man and woman figures breaking up. So that's a lot of us, including us, <laughs> disagree with that. He's saying it's like roommates, but he said, we live in a rock culture and it's just a realistic reflection of that. When you talk about living today, that's the backdrop. So he's saying it's it's about, I don't know, roommates breaking up and they were sharing records and they had to leave records behind. I don't think, I. it's about a breakup. Right. Right. I, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, usually don't you don't usually don't wish a form uh, like a former roommate to be twisting in the wind. Like however you want to take that lyric, but I mean, I guess it could happen. Uh, but yeah, I, it definitely has more of a breakup vibe to me. Yeah, all the stuff about she's not your satellite. Yeah, she doesn't miss you. Uh, it definitely seems like romantic stuff. And then in Rolling Stone, two thousand nine, this was coming up on the twentieth anniversary of Flood. Uh, they did a full breakdown of talking about every song uh, off Flood in this interview. And Flansburg again says this piece of uh, Farfisa uh, rock is definitely directly influenced by the bands it references. The Young Fresh, fresh Fellows uh, from Seattle are a group whose happy, sad sack sensibility we probably related to. And the DBs were one of the great underrecognized bands of the New York scene. Did they move to New York? Maybe they just formed in Winston-Salem. Uh, and they were a band in the New York scene we started with, and their great song Amplifier is a more melodramatic iteration of the same idea. Okay, so there, that's what I just uh, was talking about. Right. Uh, a more melodramatic uh, breakup um, ending in the act of suicide. Very Much more of a sad sack uh, uh, song right. than They Might Be Giants. But their, their sad references, um, their sad songs are masked by... Uh, happy sounding hooks and uh metaphors right <laughs> let's listen to the young fresh fellows and the song unless there was something else you wanted to play the song i had uh no and for i think the dbs you got to use amplifier for this in this episode for sure yeah great band i mean they they mm-hmm. are flans is right that they were very underrated great band and then the young fresh fellows um Great band name, by the way. He <laughs> says that they were um, uh, happy. They're they're happy, but a sad sack sensibility. Uh, play what is arguably their biggest hit, Amy Grant, which is kind of a ironic or kind of poking fun at Amy Grant, who was like a Christian, popular Christian rock singer. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it is kind of a funny, funny song. Maybe in a similar way that you know you might get a chuckle out of they might be giant songs. So let's listen to Young Fresh Fellows. Amy Grant. Amy, Amy Grant, Amy, Amy Grant, 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 Amy Grant,
And yeah, young fresh fellas. They mentioned uh, he mentioned like they were from uh, Seattle, and they were together initially. Let's see, they formed in '81. So yeah, all these groups were forming right around the same time as uh, the Giants. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then Amy Grant. Let's see, what year was that from? Uh, the Men Who Loved Music came out in '87. Mm. So again, pre pre flood. Right. Um. Yeah. And I don't think that song or that band or that, well, I don't think that song directly really has anything to do with uh, twisting. I just thought it was a funny song. Right. (laughs) Yeah. And um, one of the things, and I don't know if this was your experience or not, but it was actually twisting um, that first made me check out both of those bands. Like who who are the DBs? Who are young fresh fellows? And so uh, I love that. And I agree with what Flan said. It makes a whole lot of sense. Like, you know, as far as like a, a couple breaking up and like, obviously, you know, the, the addition of the specific bands to these obscure bands, um, it, it does add to the character of both of the characters of this song. Like if it had been, you know, no offense to Conway Twitty, but if it had been like Conway Twitty records, like it's a different, it takes on a totally different connotation and it, it just adds a lot of specificity just by name dropping two obscure bands. It, it, um, mm-hmm. it's, it, um, people like you and me and others just automatically know that like, who's going to get the young fresh fellow tape or who's going to get the DB records. That's a bigger deal for people like us than it might be for, you know, someone who's fighting over the creed record. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, a, uh, something that came up with, uh, in, uh, Cara and I, in our relationship earlier on. Uh, it wasn't a breakup, obviously. We've been married for quite a while now. But when we first moved in together, we realized that we had like 75, 80 CDs, uh, doubles that we both had in our collection because our music tastes very much overlap. I mean, that was the reason why we met is that we were at our at our small college. We, uh, you know, I initially noticed her because she was one of the very few people at the college who uh, had dyed hair she had short black dyed hair we called her emo chick uh, before we knew her me and my friends and she's wearing like thrift store you know jackets and promise ring shirts and uh just brazil buttons on her backpack you know she had she she had the look but when uh when we first got together we actually fairly early on in our relationship before we were living together we were in our already (laughs) planning ahead as music nerds and and record nerds um well cds really at the time um to not buy the same cds so like when we would explore an older band like uh you know or when we when we were getting more into like bob dylan he's got a million records but it's like hey i will you know you you've already got highway 61 revisited i'll get i'll get blonde on blonde you don't get blonde on blonde because i already have it right right. (laughs) and you'll be You'll be able to listen to it. You don't need to buy it. But yeah, when we moved in, we uh, did the, um, back when you could actually resell CDs and people wanted them, we went and sold those 80 doubles and uh, bought more CDs with, right, the, right, with that right. money. <laughs> but that's a commitment. That's yeah. like, like that, that's a symbol of commitment in um, in like our world in that regard. So again, it's a, it has a deeper meaning um, that you know that this couple were fans of the DBs and the Young Fresh Fellows. Mm-hmm, 
Oh, just glancing back at the the wiki page, one thing we forgot to mention when we were talking about Alan Bazazi, the drummer. Apparently, and it doesn't have a uh, citation to any interview or anything, but apparently uh, during the recording of the song, Alan Bazazi accidentally deleted the entire drum track. And I don't know how that would happen. He was not an engineer on the record. Uh, so I don't know who... Hold on, let me verify that. He was not an engineer on the record, so how was he close enough to the board or the... Uh, I, I think they were probably reel-to-reel at the time. Right. To be able for something like that to happen. I don't know. Uh, yeah, it's, that'll be, if you can get him on the show, that's got to be a question because that's... Uh, uh, and I can only imagine, I know it, it ends with talking about Flans not being real happy about that. So I can only imagine the reaction in the <laughs> oh, moment yeah. of that. He, I, mean, I guarantee you he has a good story if he can remember it. Oh, wait. Uh, although the mixing process was analog, Flood was the first TMBG album to be recorded digitally. Uh, okay, so go. it was a digital. Because I've been thinking about that previously before I realized that it was digital. I mean, for 99, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, it's a lot harder to delete something off a tape because it is permanently on a piece of tape right? and you can record over it. Or if they had done some sort of mix down to make room in the amount of tracks like they used to have to back in the day, you could have maybe forgot it on the mix down and then it got recorded over or something like that. But okay. So it was digitally. Uh, so there's a computer involved and the drummer was let close enough to the computer to delete his drum tracks. What? Right. Right. <laughs> oh man. But back in the day, maybe they, you know, it wasn't being backed up to the cloud or it wasn't being backed <laughs> right. up to an external hard drive. He deleted it. There was no undo. <laughs> right, right, uh, right. <laughs> and they had to do it again. And that almost what went through my mind was that, okay, so he's a human drummer and we've debated what what's human about it and, and stuff definitely sounds drum machine about it. What if he was on the track? <laughs> And then after he deleted it, it's like, fuck it. It's drum machine now. Right, right. <laughs> what if he's not on the track? He was supposed to be. Right. Oh, my gosh. Well, yeah, I'm telling you, a great story. There's a great story in there. If we ever, ever get him on the show, it'll be awesome. I got to find him. I got to find him. Hopefully he's on Facebook. That's why I've gotten a lot of these uh, guys to, I believe from it. the past to, uh, you know, just send him a Facebook message. That's so right. I'll take a look for him. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Uh, before we get to the live versions, let's actually uh, jump ahead in my email just a bit to play this. Uh, the TV commercial, Twisting, for being a song that has a fairly dark meaning, or is at least about a breakup, uh, was used in a TV promo for I, what I call it a dumb show called Modern Men, which was on the the WB. Oh, yeah. 2006 was the, was when the show came out. Uh, th- apparently, this song was also used in a British Pizza Hut commercial. That I could not find. But I found this. Uh, it, it's a YouTube video of like all these commercials for the show. I don't know who would care enough about this show that has been completely forgotten to put together a uh, montage of their commercials. <laughs> but the second commercial in this run of commercials has twisting in it. So let's listen to that. Premiering Friday, these friends need help with the ladies, and they're seeing a life coach to get it. I mean, this will make you better people. Meaning? Chicks will dig it. Let the evolution begin. I think we're going to have a lot of fun tonight. But first, let us pray. Let us what? Dear Lord, give us the strength to resist temptation, especially temptation of the flesh. Amen. Modern Men, 
a new comedy premiering Friday at 9.30, 8.30 Central on the WB. Yeah, so it comes in with that iconic organ line, and then, these guys need help with the ladies. <laughs> so great. <laughs> and it's just a bunch of guys making, saying very stupid things. Okay, so there's some life coach that is helping them with the ladies. But at one point, they're, oh, what does he say to the pregnant woman? Uh, that's very dumb early on sitcom. Mm. And I believe the one actor in there is a guy who then went on to be a new girl. I think. Oh, do you recognize that guy? Oh yes. Yes. That's him. Yeah. And what he said to the pregnant lady was, you've really let yourself go. It's <laughs> awful. <laughs> I think that was when in one of the other promos with different music on it, but, uh, yeah. uh, uh I admit this one line is pretty funny sitting at the, with that woman and we're going to have a lot of fun tonight, but first let us pray. <laughs> let us <what? laughs> we must avoid temptations of the flesh. <laughs> and then he leaves. Oh, yeah. Classic stupid sitcom. Right. So let's get into this vast array of live recordings. So, yeah. I did not realize just what trouble we were getting into uh, till I hopped over to the wiki and looked at the chronology page. Because really, the only official live version I had was too familiar with was the Flood Live in Australia, because um, I had that whole album. Right. Um, so we'll listen to that later. But holy cow, I think I'm going to have to play, I'll play clips of these songs that highlight stuff that's different about them. Right. Uh, uh, the differences between their live versions. Uh, but first, while the audio is not great, there is this, uh, the American Giants live in London in 1990, uploaded by friend of the show, Daryl Till. Astral B is his YouTube channel. If you want to see this entire, there's a, an hour and six minute full set of them live in London in 1990. And, the visuals really are outstanding. Uh, the audio, not so great, but I'm going to go ahead and drop in a clip here because it's the only live version that we have that's the duo uh, with the drum machine backing. And it starts with church bells for some reason. So let's listen to that. Okay. <laughs> just pounding the accordion i'm pretty sure i'm clicking over to the full set now i'm pretty sure he plays the accordion through the entire set i don't think there's any keyboard i think he's rocking the accordion through the whole thing so even songs like what we just heard even though it's hard to tell in the mix it does not have that farfisa organ 
Um, It has accordion. Yeah. And that's awesome. And I love how even so early in the song's life, like Flood had... Flood had just come out. Yeah, this was June 1990. Uh, Flood came out um, January of 1990. He's already mixing it up and doing accordion. Right. Awesome. Yep. Not surprising <laughs> either. Um, yeah. Yeah. Dude, you 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 might enjoy that watching that performance. It is a very punk rock in energy level. Yeah, and I've, I never uh, got to see the band as a duo. So I, you know, I. Oh yeah, I mean yeah. So I always love when I get to watch clips of them as a duo and yeah. So now let's listen to, um, and the team BG unlimited that, uh, it was an e-music subscription they did in the early two thousands. Uh, the August, 2001, uh, group of songs that, uh, was on unlimited had a 1992 live version. Uh, 1992 would be, like I said, their first drummer to actually be in the band, J.D. Feinberg, is the one drumming on this track. It's downright jazzy towards I the end. I love that version. Um, uh, FYI, too, that um, version, I don't have the e-music version, but that, um, the Ambry Giants have a, um, shoot, what's it called? They have a um, an import called Dr. Spock's Backup Band, and that is from that mm-hmm. show. I, when I, oh, when okay. I listened to it for this, I immediately recognized it um, and went to, I'm still like the one guy that has an MP3 player and I went and listened to that version of that on that, um, a bootleg. It's a bootleg. That's the word I was thinking of. Um, right. And right. so, uh, it's the same, the same version. Yeah. And I love that version. Cool. Um, 
they uh, on that live show on that bootleg, they also do a really cool version of um, an Edgar Winter group song. And it's the same sexy vibe. It's awesome. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. I wonder who that is. Uh, yeah, 1992, I, I can't say definitively who it would have been. Um, but again, accordion, you got the sax. Also, uh, we get the first appearance appearance of something that Linnell has done pretty consistently throughout the live, uh, the live uh, performances of this song is during the little organ break, he plays the melody of uh, Georgie Girl. Do you know Georgie Girl? No. <laughs> Georgie Girl is the song that goes, uh, Hey there, Georgie oh, Girl, right, right, right. swinging down the street so fancy free. Hey there, Georgie Girl, swinging down the street so fancy free. Nobody you meet could ever see the loneliness there. Well, before the vocals start, there's this little... Uh, yes. So instead of like on the album version, during the organ break, he just does the dee, 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 and then the drums come back in. But here, the break, he does dee, 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 and <laughs> Linnell must really, really like that song, because right. then he also references Georgie Girl in the song... West Virginia off of state songs. Yes. He references, there's another deep inside, which, th- which people, cl- uh, we think is a uh, reference to that song. Deep within, yeah, there's another deep inside you and inside the other one. There is another in the just really have a soft spot for that song which is by the um the seekers and it's a 1966 song very cool it's a very catchy little oh yeah no it's very (laughs) cool and yeah it's like when you you know when you sounded it out it was immediately recognizable like it's yeah i i cannot think of uh, i cannot not think of the simpsons though uh, when uh, that comes up, Homer's version. <laughs> hey there, blimpy boy, flying through the sky so fancy free. A ride on the famous Duff Beer Blimp. A ride on the Duff Blimp. You see the circular pattern on those fields? That's from Central Pivot Irrigation. Wow. Now let's see what's happening at the Super Bowl. Hey there, blimpy boy, flying through the sky so fancy free. Hey there, blimpy boy, flying through the sky so fancy free. So great. Oh my god. That's the ride in the Duff Bar. Right. Who doesn't? Who doesn't? That perform. Yeah, right? Um, that performance, though, also, it, it shows that they're, they're, they closed whatever that show with that song. And yeah, that whole sax solo and all that, it, it, all the, they do these chromatic hits, which we're going to hear in these couple other versions too. The dun, right. dun, dun, 
dun, dun, dun, dun, and then <laughs> they go back into it. And on this one, they even go down at one point. Dun, dun, dun. It just sound, starts sounding really messed up in the most awesome rock and roll way. Right. So now let's play just a couple other kind of variations on the ending that they do and some other little cool uh, live bits. Uh, let's play, well, we've got another really good sounding one um, with the... Live NYC 1994, the promo CD that they did, right. uh, which I believe it was kind of a promo for uh, John Henry. It was, yep. Here, yeah, here we're hearing, um, we're going to hear versions with not only the drum machine, but f- four, all four of their drummers that have toured with them. Now we're moving on to the Brian Doherty era. So we're hearing Brian Doherty and Tony Maimone, uh playing now uh, on this version of Twistin' from uh, October 14th, 1994. So let's listen to that. It sounds real good. As you well know. It's a real energetic version. I don't know if there's any particular parts of note in that one. It just sounds real nice. They did that one and confirmed by Brian Doherty and Tony Mimone, who I've talked to, confirmed that that was not actually at a venue venue, but at almost like a soundstage or like right. a... Um, uh, almost like a, it was the Sony studios, almost like TV studios right. with the tiered seating and them playing below. But it sounds fantastic. Yeah. I now love, let's move on to, yeah, go ahead. I was just saying, I, that's, I have a lot of they may be giants live records. And I think that might be my favorite. Um, that 94, it's just, uh, it's, it's, it's got a studio audience kind of a vibe. So it's really fun. And they just crushed that set that day. Yeah, and it's done. Uh, it was done for the audio, uh, not like a show show just right. putting it out of the mixing board. It was done for the audio, and uh, yeah, Brian who drummed on that said that it had the big plexiglass walls around him to prevent drum bleed going into the other microphone. So it was done for audio because that's not something you'd l- like visually in a regular set. You're not going to see 
you know, Marty with a, a cage around him. Right, right, right. <laughs> you know, so they were doing it for the audio. It was a promotional material. Let's move on to, um, now we're moving into the Dan Hickey drumming era and uh, Dan Hickey, the band of Dan's, Dan Hickey, <laughs> Dan Miller, and Danny Weinkoff, all on this version released uh, also on TMG Unlimited as The Flood Show, recorded in the year 2000. And the part I'm going to focus on in this, now that we got Mr. Dan Miller here, this version has an awesome guitar solo and another awesome ending. So let's listen to that part. good dude's good all right let's keep moving now we've got another team of g unlimited uh release called the ritz show the ritz is in uh north carolina uh venue recorded in 2001 so still uh the band of dance and let's check out yeah i was debating whether we'd skip this one or not but it's another another good sounding one why not <laughs> drop in a pinch hey well you guys have been a super caliph freaking great audience and we we can we can never remind ourselves enough times of that um i would like to point out so thanks a lot for coming to our show um i think we just have one more song is that right mr flansburg um one more actual song you know the rest of it is just window dressing. Here we go, this is a twist.
Yeah, there's some I like like the intro. They, they did they did some different things. The organ sounds a little different. Sounds a little higher. Um, it it sounds a little more. Uh, I don't know. I don't want to say rough, but it sounds like it's it's more loose. It's a looser vibe on that one, which I think is cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and and yeah, we didn't mention that. You know, after the '92 version, he goes back to playing organ on this song, which I think is a good choice. I mean, I love the accordion on anything, but for this '60s vibe of a song, right. that organ sound is is pretty key. And let's listen to just one more, so we can hear the modern band uh, play it. Um, I mean, it's from back in 2013, but it's the Marty era, uh, the Flood Live in Australia album, recorded in 2013, released in 2015. Yeah, let's check that out. now and have had since 2004 with marty is just i'm so glad that they have been able to solidify this band uh you know in you know 16 to 17 years they've been together with this band after so many shifts in the 90s it's just such a good group yeah no and it's and that's a great i think that's probably my favorite live version of this song of definitely of all mm-hmm. the ones i listened to and i'm trying to remember i think it was that last one i didn't get to listen to the whole song uh, just now uh I think that's the one where they change it up a little bit, and, and instead of saying "Young Fresh Fellows," they said "Primus," which uh, made me laugh. Um, oh wait, here, is hold on, on the wiki. Yeah, I, I, it says the um, the live in New York City '94 is the one that uh, oh, references Primus. My bad, my bad. Um, instead of Young Fresh Fellows, <laughs> <I did, 'cause, laughs> who were a very popular band at the time. Right. Well, it's just like and almost like the last band you would ever expect them to insert there which of course is just wonderful irony um obviously it's like half of the syllables of young fresh fellows so it like it sounded funny um i you know i had to kind of chuckle about that but i do think that last (laughs) one the the live in australia is my favorite version of twisting live it's uh you're right like it's just great to see that band solidified and doing what they what they are doing and in that version, they keep it succinct. They keep it like the album. There is no climbing uh, outro or craziness there. Uh, at this show, they were not using it as a closer, so they keep it to the uh, two-minute length on that right. one, the succinct succinct version of Twisting. Um, and, yeah, I don't know if it's – I don't know when the last time it would have been their closer 
you know, looking through set lists would take forever, but I think it was a common closer in the nineties, but not so much anymore. Yeah. I would agree with that. I think uh, that's right. Yeah. yeah. But yet still mm-hmm. stayed in the set list after that. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I think that's oh, really sure. a testament to that song that it stayed in their set list through the decades. It's so energetic. I mean, it's such a crowd, crowd pleaser. Yeah. Pump up song. For sure. Yeah. So there was another version released through TeamG.com's free tunes that I listened to, but I feel like it was a little redundant. It has a cool uh, Miller guitar solo. Again, that was released in 2004, but I think we'll skip that. That's the Blue Note show. Um, and yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll jump that one and head to the covers section. But first, let's take a quick break to hear from one of our podcast friends. Hey, Jessica. Ah, uh, yes, Danny. Have you ever heard of Reliant K? Uh, like the Chrysler Cake? No, no, no. Like the band. They had such hits as Be My Escape, Who I Am, Hates Who I've Been, and Sadie Hawkins Dance. Oh, yeah. That's where I've heard of them. On our show, Sadie Hawkins Pod, we talk about Reliant K every week. Well, yeah, I mean, that's, that's the point I was building towards. The two of us are married, and Reliant K is one of the first things we bonded over as friends. Yeah, yeah, I know. Two seconds ago, you didn't even remember the name of the band. And each week, we go over a different Reliant K song. You can listen anywhere you get podcasts and find all our social links at sadiehawkinspod.com. I mean, that's just about everything I was going to say. So when you're done listening to this show, go and check out Sadie Hawkins Pod next. An hour and a half in, we are just starting the covers. (laughs) You don't have to go anywhere, do you? Nope, I'm good. Nope. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> these flood ones man these flood episodes usually creep up pretty long yeah so this is this is me filtering down the covers already i think we might even jump this first one there's a version by jonathan colton who is uh, i only thought to include it because he's a notable um right friend of the band and has the joe co-cruise which the team G has performed on and then paul and storm who are typically a comedy du- duo uh they have i think opened for they might be giants over the years uh so it's them uh, performing it, but it's it's such a straightforward. Yeah, I was version. gonna say it's pretty straight um, up. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I've mentioned it. Let me drop it in there. Why not? Sure. <laughs> it's pretty straightforward. I mean, acoustic guitar and no full drum set, but right. pretty faithful. Yeah. Let, let's check yeah. that out. Why not? Cool Live cover. in Chicago. It's a cool cover. verified this but they may have done the entirety of flood because i played something from the same gig on the sapphire bullets episode which has yet to air um chicago park west in uh october of 2009 this uh this group here may have done the entirety of flood though i'm not positive it's a cool cover let's move uh yeah let's move on to uh 
Bandcamp, tmbs.bandcamp.com. TMBS is They Might Be Shitposting. The, uh, are, are you a member of the They Might Be Shitposting Facebook group? I am. I am not, <laughs> but uh, I have seen it. Um, yeah, so I'm just, I don't spend a ton of time on Facebook these days, but um, yeah, I, yeah, I, I am yeah. aware of this, uh, this record and uh, all of that, yeah. Yeah, so it's a, and again, just just a couple weeks before this episode airs will be the Sapphire Bullets episode. Very cool. Um, And I mentioned that this Flood tribute compilation is for the 30th anniversary, put together by the people in the They Might Be Shitposting group. Um, It's a 76-song compilation, (laughs) and it has, I believe, six versions of Twisting. I've narrowed it down to just two of them. I had to narrow down covers of the song pretty significantly, so no disrespect to anyone's covers that I didn't play but i was trying to find a good selection of vibes and takes on the song so the first one we're going to listen to is by indefinite articles which listed as a band but is just one dude named joseph devins let's listen to him do twistin she said you're goldfish free and now she's sighing Blew out your pilot light and made a wish She doesn't have to have a DB's record by now But there's not a lot of things that she'll take by She wants to see you again She wants to see you again Slowly twisting, twisting Satellite, she doesn't miss you. So turn off your smoke machine and Marshall Star. She doesn't have to have a young, fresh fellas take back now. There's not a lot of things that she'll take back. She, she wants to see you again. She wants to see you again. Slowly twisting, twisting. So, indefinite articles uh, are from England, um, <laughs> or Joseph Devins is from England. Right. I like hearing this song with a British accent. I do too. Um, I, I liked this. I liked this version. Um, it felt very much in the vein of the song, but a little bit like a like different enough than like a straight up cover to me, um, which I liked. I, I was trying to figure out you're you're going to be better at this than me. What is he playing in the beginning of that? Like for that intro, what is well, that? So I was debating this. My first, my initial thought is that it's an accordion, but the clacking of the keys right. is so loud. Right. It makes me think that it may be a button accordion. So I've got a couple button accordions that I inherited from my grandpa. Only one we have put back into working condition. But a button accordion, which I don't think I've talked about on the show in quite a while, so I might as well explain it. Uh, Linnell plays piano accordions. They've got the right-handed side that looks like a piano, right? Mm -hmm. And then the left-handed side has the bass keys, which are round, and there's many of them, usually 120, though the one he's playing now is a smaller... Uh, accordion um but a button accordion 
or diatonic or tritonic accordion are accordions made that more of a folk instrument. Um, I mean, invented before the piano accordion um, that have, don't have a piano side, have uh, the right handed side. They look kind of like shirt buttons. They're just circular buttons set up in straight rows. And uh, the one I have that's in working condition, it's a diatonic, meaning it's only meant to play in two keys. One row of these circular buttons plays in C and one row plays in G. Um, and the clacking of it sounds a lot like my grandpa's accordion. You know what? Let me grab that real quick. I mean, I can show you, but also so people could hear the clacking. Hold on. (laughs) Okay. All right. So you see in this? Yeah. It almost looks like an accordion married up with a typewriter. Like that's what, that's the vibe of it to me. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Which, if you've seen that photo of Tina Fey playing uh, a typewriter like an accordion, it's pretty hilarious. Uh, so, yeah, my grandpa's little uh, accordion here. You hear the sound of those yeah. keys there? So a lot louder than uh, a piano accordion would be. Kind of like a harmonica, the note changes depending on if you're pushing or pulling. So that's one button. Where a piano accordion doesn't matter. Right. You're pumping in or out, the key makes the same right. note. Okay, so that's G. See, again, it's made to play in a certain key. Here's why this is so hard to play, is because... We couldn't figure out what key the song right. is in. And this is the, the row that's in G. And this proves that the song is not in G because I can't play it on here. Right. At least not. It doesn't. This row of keys would not have an F. Right. It would have an F sharp. There's no F and it wouldn't have a B flat either. Yeah, I could not play this song because there's no B flat in the key of C or the key of G. So I could not play Twistin' on this accordion. Uh... I could find the F in the key of C and jump rows, but I could not play the B flat that the song would require. Right. But, uh, so if you heard the sound of those keys clacking, it kind of sounds like it's a, yeah, like either a concertina or a more squeeze box button style accordion than a piano accordion. Um, and I was like, oh, I'll just ask him, Joseph Devins. I know Joseph Devins. Turns out I know a different Joseph Devins oh, who no. has been on the show. Joseph that? Devins from Texas was on the venue song song Stubbs. Nice. This is a British Joseph Devins, so I don't know this guy to yeah. ask him. Um, it could also be a pump organ, which sound a lot like an accordion and can clack a lot. So I don't know for sure, but either way... I love that reedy tone, and I like the the TMBG versions that have accordion on them. Uh, so this is a cool, um, maybe a little more chill of a version because it doesn't have aggressive percussion in it. Um, right. But that's that that was a lot of talk about one cover, and we have a lot to go. So <laughs> right. let's move on. All right, we're headed to uh, SoundCloud.com slash Ian Bealsie, I A N B E A L S I E. Ian BLC, I thought you'd appreciate this one uh, for some reason. I think because it's a bit of a punk cover. Right. He has Milo, the the cartoon Milo from The Descendants, as the cover art for this They Might Be Giants cover. So let's listen to this. (laughs) 
definitely a punkier version. If I can ever find punk versions. Yeah. If I can ever find punk versions, they always get played. Yeah. The, uh, the recording quality isn't great, but I love the, uh, the feel of it. Yeah. And I, I think it's, um, you know, again, I, I, you know, for me, I like covers that are in the vein of the song, but are a little different, um, as opposed to a straight mm-hmm. up cover. Um, and I think that's achieved here. I think it's, you know, like you said, a punkier version. It's fun. It's, it's, it's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now let's get into the realm of uh, synthy sounds with the chiptune version by Max Demsky. Max Demsky gets played on, I believe, every Flood episode I've done because he's covered the entire album in the Nintendo 8-bit chiptune style. Right. Uh, so let's listen to this one. I'm a sucker for this stuff. The instrumental chiptune version. Yeah, you a fan of chiptune? I mean, so not normally, but like hearing a song like that in that way, like I definitely now that you now that I know that like he did the whole flood album, I'm gonna track it down because it's just it's it's so much fun. I love the eight bit artwork uh, for uh, for flood on it too. Yeah. It's it's great. Yeah. It's just like it's just um, fun. It's just fun. I, I really that's probably my favorite one of the ones you shared with me for this episode. It's just a lot of fun. Super fun. And I love, again, I mentioned this on Sapphire Bullets, he uses all these glides, these slides up and down the notes. So, <laughs> yeah. I'm a sucker for that shit. Yeah, me too. Guy's I, got like, my number. That's, yeah, that's really well done. The, I should hit this dude up. You know what? Okay, hold on. I'm going to leave a comment on this. <laughs> See if I can get this guy on the show. There you go. You've been played multiple times on my podcast. So we'll <laughs> see how often he checks his notifications on Sound SoundCloud. There you go. <laughs> Max Dembski. Good work. Moving along to... Uh, let's see. Okay. So now we got a uke cover. I've had a, uh, I've done a Patreon episode on uh, uke players uh, who love TMBG because there's a big overlap there of people who like that uke style, and they might be giants. So um, also, it's our only cover that has um, 
or no scratch that there is one other cover that has a uh, female voice in it but here we've got samantha port right. playing twisting on the ukulele good i mean it's it's definitely closer to straight up but it's just her voice um with the uke of course um yeah it was it's it's well it's well done i like her cute little penguin sheets in the background yeah it's like it's so hard (laughs) it's so hard to not notice those when you're watching that video um and i thought the exact same thing Uh, it's definitely you know a lot of people don't think about what's behind them when they're doing it right just throw it up on youtube but uh yeah i love it it's uh you know you could then slot it into the uh, quote-unquote genre of bedroom pop. <laughs> there you go. Right. There it is. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. I think she she might have done better in a higher key. Um, I know a lot of people don't think about changing the key of a song when they cover it. They just do it as is. I think uh, for a female register, she might have done good to bump it up a step or two. Uh, some of those that. low notes yeah. are a little bit tricky for her. But she, but it's it's great. I'm just saying that's uh, could be something to make it a little easier easier on her vocally. Um, right. n- now we head to uh, back to tmbs.bandcamp.com. We've got Electro and the Bangerman, clearly a reference to a play on Echo and the Bunnyman. Right. Uh, Electro and the Bangerman doing twisting, and this is uh, one dude who I'm, who I'm pretty friendly with, and who is just on the podcast, Kai Pfeiffer. Uh, has not aired yet, but Kai Pfeiffer was on the Music Jail Part 1 and 2 episode. Uh, and this guy, Emilio Zamorano, uh, they're the, the, they've, I don't think this, they're not in a band called Electro and the Bangerman. That's just what they called this little collaboration group here. But Emilio Zamorano, I've just figured out that he's been playing on the show a lot under his pseudonym, Easy Amor. Uh, so let's listen to these two dudes do it.
it's really good. I Both like these dudes are super talented. Yeah. Yeah, so that's Kai. Kai singing, probably playing guitar as well. I'm guessing Emilio was maybe the uh, synths and drums, uh, drum programming. So they have on the uh, on their Bandcamp page, when you click over to the song, it says, We're not sure what to call the style, Punk Electro, but we hope you enjoy listening to it as much as we liked recording it. Now, I need to check in with Kai and see if he's heard Adam in his package, because that's what it sounds yeah, like. Yeah, agreed. Very much... Uh, <laughs> In that vein, if the guy, if, if his voice was a bit na- more nasal, then he would definitely get a like a real direct Adam and his package <laughs> reference for sure. Yeah, yeah, Adam and his package being Adam Gorn, who has been on the show three times. Uh, love that That's dude. Awesome. Love Adam and his package. I'll have to make sure Kai has heard. Uh, well, I know he's heard a little bit. He's listened to every episode of the podcast. I know because he's mentioned it to me. Uh, I'm his week, his 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 running music when he goes out running. He listens to the episodes. Um, That's awesome. And I know I played a bunch of Adamus Package on the uh, See the Constellation episode he was on. But yeah, Kai, super talented. Both these dudes. Kai's got a great voice. He was a band guy. He plays sax. He uh, has also been in like musicals and stuff like that. So he's a great singer, all around great That's, musician. That's fantastic. Sounds fantastic. I also love the harmonies on the uh, um, she wants she yeah. wants the background harmonies sound amazing. Yeah. So we got one more, and again, once again, to I think three of the six uh, twisting covers on TMBS. Here we've got Ghost Crime, and this one I saved for last because it's the most, the furthest from the original. Right. So let's check this out. is done by max and hannah don't know last names um what do you think of that (laughs) it's uh i mean so it's i mean it's definitely a darker version obviously it's longer they slow it down uh make it darker um she's got a she's got a great voice so like it's like it's it's a trip it's like totally trippy compared to the original song um Mm-hmm. I might disagree on the vocals. I, I think I can't tell if she's changing the melody intentionally or just having a hard time latching onto it with how different the music is. But th- there's some. It's a bit pitchy, dog. Yeah, but I like the style of it. I like the style of it, the singing, because like I said, it takes it from a peppy 
twist rock song right. uh, to, well, they're called Ghost Crime, uh, to a more ghostly, slowed down, uh, ethereal kind of right. version. Yeah, it made me... So I played, I, played that one strictly for um, uh, stylistic reasons right. to mix up. It made me wonder when I was listening to it, um, it almost made me want to, like, it's like the thought came out of my head. I wonder what it would sound like if the band Garbage had covered this song. Like, it would, would it be huh. in that? Huh. Like, it'll be probably a little harder, but um, it kind of gives off that kind of a garbage vibe to me. Um, garbage <laughs> the band, not, not, not it's garbage. Right. Just want to make sure people get that. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely different. I, I, not my, not my normal vibe, but again, I, I'm always appreciative when bands, you know, try to do something different with a song. Um, this would be a version where you wouldn't be able to help uh, hear the lyrics and think, yeah, no, this is someone who is hanging themselves. So there's that. Yeah, they do mention that in the description of the song. I can't believe this is a song about hanging someone hanging themselves. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so that's that's the end of the cover section. There are many more covers out there that people can find. And apologies to anyone who didn't get featured here, but a lot of them were more straight up or just maybe not my favorite. And I don't like talking shit on anything. Uh, so those were uh, it's a selection of my favorites and the uh, most unique covers. So, whew, we're we're creeping up on two hours into this thing, and it's finally time for you to score this song. Actually, probably with the audio clips, we're definitely over two hours uh, on this episode. Yeah, for sure. It is time for you to sc- so let's score this thing. All right, um, refresh me. What's the? Is it zero to ten? Yep, zero to ten. You can use decimals, and you're ranking it against other. They might be giant songs. Not every song of all time from any band. Right, I'd give it a nine point <laughs> five within the canon. Nine point five. Yeah, it's it's a great song, and um, I'm on a bit of a bit of a Flans kick with the episodes coming out lately. A lot of Flans songs coming in here. Uh, yeah, this was immediately. Uh, before this was Sold My Mind to the Kremlin, Sapphire Bullets, and Music Jail, all playing songs. Um, Twisting is great, and there is, there's a reason that it's been so featured in their live sets throughout their career. Um, it's, it's, yeah, it's a great one. It's one of my favorite playing songs off of uh, Flood, I would say for sure. Yeah. Um, you know, he's got those biggies, Lucky Ball and Shane, your racist friend. But this one, man, it's just every time, you know, it's a good middle of the album kind of pick me right. up. Uh, twisting. What am I gonna? I, I'm just stalling about what I'm gonna score this. I think. <laughs> I get it. Um, yeah, I'm going straight up eight. All right. Eight. Yes, which is high for me. <clears throat> Fantastic song. Yeah. Solid flans jam. Pump it up. Tune. Now, Jeff, you said your podcast is no longer going, but you got anything you want to? Uh, plug um other than you know get out there and vote when it comes time to do that again <laughs> right. people um so <laughs> not really the the podcast uh which was called rocket fuel um is still out there like the website is still there i believe i don't think it's gone down so you can find the episodes on the website rocketfuelpodcast.com uh, they're on like itunes and stitcher and all that kind of stuff too so um if you're especially if you're coming at this podcast as a fan of punk rock um should be something you might be interested in. Um, I do a lot of interviews of bands and uh, just play music that's mostly new at the time of the release. Um, it's basically mm-hmm. just born out of me wanting to share my love of punk rock with uh, 
with anybody who was willing to listen. Awesome. Yeah. Rocketfuelpodcast.com. Yep. Is that what mm-hmm. it was? Okay. Nice. Um, wait, hold on a second. Why is this not working for me? I was trying to bring it up. Uh, did, I, did I let the domain die? Let's see. It says this page isn't working. Oh, man. Well, we got if I spell it right. I misspell the word fuel more often than I care to admit. <laughs> understand. <laughs> Put the um, E and the U in the wrong You know spot. what? It, yeah, it, it, the link must not be working anymore. So that's a bummer. Well, you got a month before this comes out if you want to get it back up there. What's that now? <laughs> Is it on? I said you got about a month before this episode comes out if you want to get it up. By got then. it. Yeah, I'll let you know if I do or not. Uh, is it available on like Apple Podcasts and other places yeah. too, or just no? On it should be. It should be on Apple Podcasts. I was just going to check Stitcher too to see if it's okay. still up there. Um, let me just check. Mm-hmm. That's kind of a bummer. I need to. I think it's just I let the domain go. I think. Yeah, it's like twelve bucks or whatever. Yeah. Get that. Get that back up. I'm just going to check here. Yeah, it looks like it's still. Yeah, it's still on Stitcher, so I'm sure it's still on Apple too. Cool. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Yeah, it's been a while. I put up the last episode three years ago. So. Okay. Music fans, punk rock fans, go check out RocketFuelPodcast.com. Uh, and yeah, people can find this might be a podcast. We got this might be a podcast.com. There you go. I made sure to secure that and I'm trying to update it more. I always forget about it. Even though it's just updated through the Tumblr, if people are still on Tumblr, they can find me there too. Uh, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter is where I chat with people the most. This might be a pod uh, on there. And send your thoughts on twisting. And uh, hey, let's talk about uh, flood. Are we excited to go see it, see those shows in 2022? Oh, it just got pushed back again. Yikes! Uh, yeah, email me. This might be a pod at gmail, and leave me voicemails two two four eight zero one two nine three zero. If you want to support uh, all the time I spend on this thing, patreon.com slash this might be a podcast and get some swag. <laughs> Jeff, thanks for being yeah, on, man. And, and sorry, s- sorry for the wait and kicking you off snail shell. It would have been a fun one to talk about, but when you got a member of the right. band on yeah. there, it's I like, can't, uh, yeah. I can't fault you for uh, having the man who plays that baseline on that uh, <laughs> on the show. So not a problem at all, man. But man, great. Those is a great, great conversation on a great song. So um, if you want to pick another song for the future, I know the the classic ones are pretty much well picked over, but uh, you're a dude who's followed them throughout. So um, if you want to uh, pick something newer to come on a little down the road. Yeah, yeah I would love to. Yeah, I'll look at the newer I... stuff. Uh, and, uh, Do you need yeah. that link again? Uh, no, I've got it. Okay. All right, cool. So, um, yeah, it's, this is a long episode. I think it deserved it. Uh, but great talking to you, finally. And uh, I'll, uh, I'll check you later then, my man. <laughs> <laughs>